Yes, yes, y'all, you know what it is. It's that kids and wives and nine to fives, but we are married to the games. Zero, four, five. Yes, sirree, Bob. It's your boy Gabriel Patillo with Timothy Hall and Tim Router. As always, we are talking about life and games, games and life. Thank you guys for being here. We really, really, really appreciate it. We are happy to be here. We got another freaking cool interview for you guys coming by way of Timothy Hall. He got hooked up with a guy named Phil Kovats, and he's going to be on the show today. The audio lead from Naughty Dog. I know we've been talking about Last of Us a lot. I know some people out there are probably like, oh my gosh, Naughty Dog, Last of Us, some more, blahzy, blahzy, blah. Yeah, get over it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but it's a, it's just another cool side of video gaming. So, you know, look past the last of us and listen to what the man's saying. He freaking drops it. It's crazy. He's got such great stuff to talk about from the audio side of things, sound effects. Um, I love what he said, Hall, when you were, you were talking to him and you said, you know, what's, what exactly, you know, are your responsibilities? He says everything that comes out of the speakers. I was like, woo. That's a good way to put it. I love that, man. <laughs> I love that. And that's a lot to so, think about too. So that's yeah, crazy. That's a lot. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. It's an awesome interview. Hall, kick it off, baby. How you doing? Why do I have to go first? I'm sorry. Router, go ahead. How you doing, brother? That's right. <laughs> all right. I'll start it off. Man, it's been all work and no play. It makes Router a really sad boy right now. I've just been <laughs> like the past three weeks have just been pretty much hell for me. I've just there's a lot of work piling on. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's a great thing to be nice and busy. But uh, a lot of very, very early mornings uh, and just a lot of nonstop. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things. I like even since last episode, I haven't been able to play anything on my PS3. Come on. Yeah, it just stinks. Like I've got The Walking Dead sitting there. I know it's short, which is good. So I can knock that out. But uh, hopefully this week. Uh, I said there was light at the end of the tunnel last week, but I really, really, I think this time there'll be light at the end of the tunnel this week. <laughs> it's a longer tunnel than you right, thought. It's just a little bit longer of a tunnel, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, man, it's been, it's been good. Uh, I'm almost ready to get a new HVAC unit upstairs because it's so freaking hot up there. Um, so I'm getting one final. By the time you get around to doing that, it's going to be fall. I know. Well, <laughs> I know the right? winter time, you're not even going to worry about That's it. That's what it's I pretty... keep saying about my like second car not having AC. By the time I get around to fixing, I'm like, eh, I could deal with this. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Well, that's kind of how I've, I've thought of it too. But then we're, we're also getting into August, which is the hottest month around here in Tennessee. And, uh, so I want to make sure that my PS3 doesn't melt by the time uh, August runs around. There you go. But, um, yeah, just doing that and, um, baby's doing well. Wife's doing well. Oh, Piper did, uh, we started her in some swim classes. Ooh. Which she absolutely hates. It's hilarious. Oh, it's no. Like, it's pretty cool. It's really? Like, yeah, it's one of those, um, it's not one of those extreme survival swim classes, but it like teaches her to kind of like be able to float up, uh, and like turn over and basically, you know, if she were in a situation, uh, you know, she would be able to keep herself afloat and that kind of stuff. And it's really cool. It's not with bear grills. No, no, no. It's no, it's not survivor man or anything like that. <laughs> and they don't just like throw her in the, the pool and say, all right, have fun. Oh man. That's how I came up. 
Yeah, right. My grandparents, my grandmother used to live because we had a pool when I was really little back when we lived in California. And I went to this place called Polly's Puddles when I was like, I think I was literally like five months old or six months old because my mom was that scared of me falling into the pool. Wow. I'm like, now thinking back, I'm like, well, were you not watching me? Were you letting me just have full reign of the whole house? Where were you, but, <laughs> but, um, they would literally just throw you in the water and my grandmother would take me from time to time and literally sit there and cry as oh, I'm wow. like screaming in the water because wow. of how like <laughs> terrorized Tears I was. streaming but, down the face. Yeah. yeah. No. I mean, I but I love to swim. swim. I love yeah. to swim now. And my dad said I was swimming before I was walking. I was like swimming at six months. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, she absolutely hates it, but I think um, she's, uh, you know, you they you, you give her to the the person in the water, and she uh, she kind of just floats her around, and the whole time she's just like, ah! but she's, <laughs> oh, she was saying that she's got the swimmer's instinct already because when she let her kind of go a little bit, she instantly started freestyling, like, and she said most kids kind of just freeze up, and she's kind of freestyling. I think it's more like flight or fright syndrome because she's, yeah uh, yeah she's uh she wants to she wants to get to us because she sees us we're standing on the edge of the pool and she sees us and she's like i just want to go there but uh it's been right. i've been videotaping it it's been kind of cruel yet funny all at the same time <laughs> but yes so yeah i mean we're just uh we're just kicking it i have been playing um a couple uh ipad games because since of that five year app store anniversary i did download um badland was one of them which i, I actually really like it's kind of a cool side-scrolling game um mm-hmm. and i have infinity blade too i just haven't played it yet and of course candy crush so it's been a lot of ipad games versus you know big old as long as you're gaming i'm doing as long i'm doing as something but it's not enough i don't feel like i'm complete <laughs> and that's the bummer i got you timothy hall yes sir what it do? I, I guess I'm a lot like Tim. I haven't been able to play that much because we're getting ready to uh, move into another apartment. Um, mm. And every time we move, it makes me realize how much useless stuff that I have. Oh, yeah. Uh, but Amen. But when you move in, though, isn't it a cathartic feeling to know that you've gotten rid of some stuff and you're like, okay, we're kind of trimming the fat? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I... I uh, I'm looking forward to it because we're moving into the apartment that we're going to have before we buy a home. So we're just kind of moving in, piling up some money, and then going to get something next summer. And, um, yeah, so, like, it makes me realize I've got a crapload of baseball cards and basketball cards, and I have no idea what to do with them. Interesting. Huh. Well, look them up online, make sure they're worth something. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a, like, a long in-depth process i started doing a little bit of research and just in like a few cards like i'd piled up some cards and right there it was like 50 dollar value in cards so i was like all right i need to start figuring out what yeah what these are worth. nice so um, nice yeah man it made me realize like cards have just dropped dramatically in value i and i have like i have so much collectible crap because i used to be so into basketball and uh really yeah i've got like figures and boxes and all kinds of crap and every time we move i've got to find a new place for this stuff so finally i'm just like i'd really love to just get this off my hands if i could take it to somebody and they'll give me a decent amount for it i'll get rid of it 
because <laughs> I just hate transporting it. Yeah. Okay. There you go. And it's not like you're going to miss it. <laughs> no, not really. It, all it does is just sit in a box all the time. Um, <laughs> you, you never know, though, man. <laughs> Depending on the card, you may be able to get that house earlier than you expected. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I don't know, man. Like I picked out, I picked out like one box and went halfway through the box, and I already had accumulated like 50 bucks. So I was like, well... Like maybe maybe I should start seeing about selling these. Yeah. So I'm kind of I, I mean, if any listener has experience with this kind of stuff, please write in and tell me what to do with these cards because I don't know where to start. There you go. We don't really have like very many dealer shows or anything around here for some reason, so I don't know where to sell them. Other than that, I mean, maybe maybe eBay, but. And therein lies the problem. People want to know what the what the quality of your card is, and it's really yeah. hard to do that unless they actually hold it and look at it. So yeah, that's a deep that's a deep thing. People take that real serious. Yeah, I mean it's almost like game collectibles too. I realized yeah, every time I move, I realize how much game stuff I have. So I'm like, meh. Or fanny or packs. Fanny packs. Yeah, there that, you go. That I'm that I'm holding on to. I oh, actually yeah. was curious, and I started looking up the value of like used. Game Boy fanny packs, and it, it was like thirty bucks, and Sweet. I've got it brand new in the box. Boom! So I'm just gonna hold on to that one. <laughs> there you go. I loved seeing that picture come across Twitter. I was like, yes. yeah, that was that was great, brother. That was great. <laughs> it hey, it sits up on display in my office. So I love it. Yep. You been you been gaming? Uh, I've been playing iOS stuff. Really, because um, of that sale, uh, I went ahead and just started playing Infinity Blade Two, and it's so cool, isn't it? Yeah, I love it. I can't wait. I can't wait to dive into it. So I think good. I hit a glitch or something because they gave me like a really strong weapon, like way up front. So I'm just, I, I literally kill everything in two hits now. Oh, take that to the bank, man! Oh wow, yeah, that's glitch, awesome. Glitch nothing. Take that game. all the way. <laughs> something that's happened awesome. to the game. Um, it favors you. Yeah, I think so. Um, other than that, I've been kind of keeping an eye on the sales because I was hoping they'd do some more digital sales because the whole Steam thing that's going on. Mm-hmm. The Steam sales make me jealous that I don't have a, a high-end PC. I'd love to be taking advantage of that stuff, but unfortunately, it's like, eh. If I had a, if I had a gaming PC, that'd be hard to play console games. As long as it was hooked up to the TV. Yeah. So. I'm with you. Sure. Dude, you did a mashup too. Yep. Last night, um, it was Jordan Thompson of Boom Headshot, uh, James Hardwick of Geeks with Wives, and me. <laughs> and Timothy Hall. <laughs> and me. And from Timothy Married Hall. to the Games. Yeah, and that was a, a lot of fun getting to talk to those guys. And I I hadn't got a chance to listen to Geeks with Wives yet, but... um. I listened to their latest episode yesterday, uh, kind of when I found some free time at work and it's, they got a really good show over there. I really enjoyed it. And James had told me what they do is they, uh, bring on like a listener or bring on a, a, uh, fan of the show and just have them <clears throat> interact with everybody and kind of tell a little bit about what they like in gaming. So I thought that was fun. pretty neat. It's a great That's idea. Awesome. I like James. He seems like a good guy. I think yeah, we've he, almost talked to everybody over there, um, at least across Twitter, and those guys seem really oh, cool. Oh, definitely. I, I love talking with those guys. And um, if we have listeners who you know haven't heard the show yet, go check them out. They're a really cool show. So, 
Yeah. And then, of course, Jordan Thompson goes yep. back. Boom I think he was up. one of the first listeners ever yeah, to Married to the Games. Right. Um, and he's been a supporter from early on. And uh, he, uh, you know, when I was up there in Canada, was like, man, you guys' show was one of the reasons that I really started doing this thing. And I, I, it was just so cool to see him, like, grow into his thing. And I love listening to his show and um, and stuff like that. So, it, and, and then when you get to know people, too, it just makes it a little cooler. Hmm. It's all about community, guys. It's all about community. Yeah, he's a it. he's a great he's a great host too. Last night he was pretty much the host and the the uh, kind of led us through the show, and he does a great job. So you also you know go check out his show Boom Headshot on iTunes, and I'm sure Stitcher and Podomatic. So he's got a great he's got a great theme song too. Which yeah, is I love awesome. that. It's Same geek every week, Jordan Thompson. I love it. All right, Mr. Patillo. I heard the mm. uh, I heard a rumor that Uh-oh. you're actually in town for a little while. Is that true? I am. That's crazy. I'm in town for like two weeks. That's awesome, dude. We're gonna have to come TP your house. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm gonna burn the hazing. city down. I don't even know what's going on. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, that's so. Um, cool. It's 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 bittersweet. The sweet side of it is that I get to be home. The bitter side is is that. Uh, life kind of hit right away. Um, Jenny's stepmom's father, I guess is how you would, I don't know who that would be, like how you would say that, but Jenny's stepmother's father passed away over the weekend. So I, I literally came home yesterday and had to go straight to a visitation last night. Um, at a funeral home. And so, uh, that was very sad, but, um, kind of one of those things. He's in a better place now. He's been dealing with cancer. He's been mm. sick for a long time. The, the family has seen it coming for a while. So they were very, very prepared. Oh, and that's so, good. uh, so yeah, we went to that and then we go to the funeral today. And so that, you know, that's kind of the, the bitter part of, you know, life, you know what I'm saying? It's awesome that I'm home. Um, but I'm one of those guys that's kind of, I don't know if it's because of the life I lead and, and what I do, um, or just cause I've been blessed that this hasn't happened around me. This is the first time I'll be going to a funeral ever. I've never been to a funeral in my whole life. Wow. And so, um, it's kind of weird. You know, and, and yesterday was the visitation and, you know, it's open casket and that's the first time I've ever been around anything like that. And so, wow. um, but I was, uh, but it was better than I thought, you know, which is weird to say, but, um, seeing the family do so well, I think helped if everybody mm-hmm. was, you know, freaking out, it, it, I would have probably been a little more edgy, but, um, everybody was doing really good. They were laughing. They were able to, you know, smile and still have a good time and talk to you and, you know, and talk about the good things. It wasn't like this. Oh, and then, the, 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 you know, it wasn't like a bunch of tears and, and stuff. So I think, you know, you know, with the help of medicine, I think they, you know, they were able to have their goodbye, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And kind of mm-hmm. put a stamp on it. So anyway, not to drag down everything, but, um, it was, it was just cool to be able to see the family come together in that way. But yeah, I'm home for a while. Um, trying to think what's going on. Started, uh, Dishonored, uh, this last week. It's very cool. We were Mm -hmm. busy on the road though, so I didn't get to play it as much as I wanted to, but, um, 
started that this last week. Went ahead and played Walking Dead 400 Days. Is um, it that short? Oh I, my I noticed that you finished it. It's like 45 minutes. I know, like you, no you way. took it's a picture. You took super, a picture of it, and then like two seconds short. later, you took the the credit picture. I'm like, dude, Gabe, what are you doing, man? <laughs> it's super, super short. And I'm gonna go ahead. Can I go ahead and just talk about it? Yeah, go ahead. Of course, I won't spoil anything. We're not that show. But um, it's super short, and it's. And I don't know if anybody else has had this. I, I talked to a couple of buddies and they said they had this problem, but it is really, really glitchy. Ooh. Like it feels like it kind of was a rush job. Cause I'm sure it was got thrown out there. And so it kind of made me sad a little bit just cause it still got the telltale name on it. Um, but, uh, it was a nice itch. I was explaining it to somebody like this. It's kind of like you got the taste, but you didn't get full. It's like you were really hungry and you're like, hey, here's two chicken nuggets. And you're like, man, I really would like some more chicken nuggets. Right, right. But you only get two. And so um, it was cool. You play as five different people um, and you play their story. Uh, and it's kind of it, the 400 days are the 400 days um, that you've played as Lee and Clementine. So it's the same time, different people, if gotcha. that makes sense. And so you play, you'll play like, um, Vince is one of the guys on there and you'll start his story and then they'll kind of start a story on him. And then it'll be like two days in to, you know, the infection having broken out. And, um, and then you'll play like, I mean, it literally is like, it feels like 10 to 15 minutes of with him and you have to make some hard, hard decisions and then it's over and then wow. you move on to the next person and you get to choose who you want to play as the thing that I didn't like was so Vince is two days in and then I think uh somebody else, I think her name is Shell I think she's like 200 and something days in and but you don't know how far in the the days are of the people before you choose them but all the stories kind of have a thread. So you'll see something from one of the other characters in whatever character you're playing, but you might not get it fully unless you play them in chronological order. Hmm. Uh, okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 So I would say for anybody who hasn't played 400 days yet, like router. Yeah. And you're, and you're about to um, look at, go ahead and find out the chronological order and play it in that way. And it doesn't ruin anything. If, if anything for me, I think it heightens the experience because I actually, I didn't look it up, but I actually only switched two people. And so I pretty much played in chronological order and it was way better. If it was really jumbled, then I would have missed so many of the smaller details. And I right. think you need that to feel like you got your money's worth. Cause if you play it in just whatever order, and you don't get those little like winks and nods and like, Oh, look, see from the other guy. Then I think you, you come, it comes up a bit not worth it. Maybe worth $3, but not five. I know that sounds weird, but, um, it was, it's still good. It's just real short. Like everybody was saying it was short and I was like, Oh, how short can it? Oh, it's over. You know, saying kind of thing. <laughs> So. I'm sure I'm sure it was a rush job anyway, just based on, you know, they're trying to ride the success of everything. Mm -hmm. But 
and that's fine. I mean, give them a little taste. As long as it doesn't completely suck, I'm I'm in. But you know, I'm really right, and it doesn't next, it doesn't completely pick. suck. The for sure, it well, doesn't good. suck. That's good. Um, also, uh, I finished editing together the Bradley C. Museum tour video of the golden age of video game, video arcade games that he's doing up there in Green Bay. So that is live on YouTube. Go check it out. Oh, sweet. We'll, we'll do Twitter stuff and things like that. And then, um, man, I've gotten a couple of those, uh, couple of those, uh, favorite video game moments or memories that we talked about last week. And so, uh, Very cool. I'm really excited to edit those together. So you guys, uh, I talked about it last week, but, um, Send in, you know, hi, my name is this. I'm from here. And my favorite video game mo- memory is this. And just do a really quick explanation. And and I'm going to edit them all together. And so you guys can hear from each other. Where should you know? uh, they send them to? Send them to mailbag at marriedtothegames.com. Or you can send them right to me at gabe at marriedtothegames.com. Sweet. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm talking so much. Um. But thanks for all the love, man. I got I got some really cool messages over this last week about the uh rapping the last of us that we did last week. So oh, I yeah, appreciate I appreciate all the love. I was I was telling these guys I was so nervous. I almost called Hall before the show went live last week and was like, Oh, okay, take the rap out. We don't we don't need to put the rap in there. And uh <laughs> and then and, I uh, said, Yeah, it needs to be in there. <laughs> yeah. So I appreciate the love, man. It was really encouraging. So um I'll probably do another one. We'll see. Okay. Please do. Please Router. do. Router. Sir. Do what you do best at this part of the show, baby. Okay. Be happy to. New releases this week. Not really a whole lot to go on. Uh, Hot Shots Golf World Invitational on PS- yes! PSN. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I actually really do like Hot Shots Golf. I own one of those games. But so wait, the World, World Invitational, was that the one that, that was the one that came out on Vita, right? Oh yeah, no, there was another one PS- that came out. I don't know. So they brought it out on PS- PS yeah, this one's for the or, PS3. Yeah, okay, it's, for, so it's, cool. on, it's so on PSN. They probably just ported it up or something. I want to yeah. play it. So, all right, love cool. those games. Yes. And then the o- only other one that I have is uh, a PC Mac game, Teleglitch Die More Edition. Mm. So, yeah, cool. Um, Top selling uh, games for the week ending July thirteenth. That was when NCA Football fourteen came out, and it hit the number one and number two spots for Xbox and. And PS3. Wow. Nice. So NCAA Football 14 beat out The Last of Us, which came in at number three. Ooh. Uh, Metal Gear Solid, the Legacy Collection on PS3, number four. Ooh, I want to get that, man. Yeah, that's all you, man. Uh, I just don't have any money. I do want to get it, though. That is a problem. (laughs) Uh, Number five, Animal Crossing, New Leaf. Oh, my gosh. 3DS, still kicking it five weeks. 483,000 units sold. Wow. They're I'm like, right I, I, I just, I like that being up against Metal Gear Solid. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> and The Last of Us. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> uh, number six, Minecraft stays in, keeps uh, keeps on the ticking for the Xbox 360. Uh, number seven, Call of Duty Black Ops 2 for the Xbox 360. <laughs> number eight, NBA 2K13 for 360. Number nine, MLB 13, the show for PS3. And mm. number 10, rounding it out, would be our favorite Luigi's Mansion. Oh, my gosh. Still there. I'm getting that game sooner or later. I, I, I was going to say I have a date that I have to get a 3DS pretty much whenever that new Zelda game comes out. 
I have to there get you go. one. So ah, I'll be getting all that stuff eventually. Right. I like that. Gosh, that was really fast, Router. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> I don't mess around, brother. When yeah, it comes exactly. To this stuff, Straight to the I'm point. I'm a data geek. I'll get all this stuff put together. <laughs> that's awesome. That's interesting, and it leads into one of the stories I had was that uh, Nintendo stock ro- rose in the first time in two years because no of because of Animal Crossing selling over well almost and over five hundred thousand copies. Uh, Nintendo stock is uh, has risen with a vengeance, a whole four percent, hitting its highest point since July of two thousand eleven. Wow! So big ups to Nintendo. The and that's dope. thanks to the three DS, pretty much. It, yeah, it's exactly yeah. right because it's selling like crazy. Luigi's Mansion Handheld, sold baby. well, and Animal Crossing sold well. So there yep. you go. Wow, man, that's incredible. Speaking of handhelds, um, EA reported that it made more money through the App Store, you know, Apple's App Store, than any other retail distributor. What? Wow, that. Is nuts. What? That, you know what? No, that's stupid. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that crazy? <laughs> that's stupid. Uh, Peter Moore, who is EA's uh, chief operating officer, he said our quarter was notable. Wait, our quarter was notable. Wait, why does it say it that? Sorry, I'm, my I can't. I'm, it's early still. It's all good. <laughs> um, the, the notable, th- I'm gonna just re-say what he was saying. I'm just paraphrasing now. The notable thing about their quarter was their strong digital sales. It says, to that end, Apple was EA's biggest retail partner as measured by sales. That is a first end paraphrase. Um, wow. that is nuts. You have to understand that's crazy because, you know, and their games are a little bit more expensive, but it's not like they're $50 on there. You know, yeah, they still like have a lot of games that are 99 cents. Exactly. I'm uh, wondering what, what do you think is their top seller? Oh gosh. Uh, they pointed the well-performing mobile games were the Simpsons tapped out real racing three and the Sims free play. Those are uh, all free to play games. That's why. It yeah, but they all have in-app purchases. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that, yeah. That they're free to play, so they have add-ons, and the add-ons. There you go. You know, you, you, that's how they you get, get you. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, you may not. There's a lot of people that probably play for free and just never buy anything, but there's also a lot of people that probably spend like ten to fifteen dollars. So. Oh, you know what's so funny? I was talking to one of my boys this last week. He's on the road with us, and he's like a kind of like a. He's he's like one of the salty crew guys. He's like, my 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 ma. It's just kind of his personality. Love him. He's awesome, but he's just like a salty crew guy. And nice. uh I look over and he's playing Candy Crush, right? It's just so funny because his hands are all dirty on his screen and he's like, you know, playing with candies and all these colorful things. <laughs> and uh and I was like, Ah, how you liking that? He's like, I hate it. And I was like, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, You sure do, because all he yeah. does is Candy Crush. And uh and I was like, Have you bought anything on there yet and he was like i would never do that and you know <laughs> blah, blah 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 he was like it's, not, it's a free game blah, blah 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 and so you know we continue to talk about it and i was like so if you like linked it to your facebook page and had to ask friends she's like no i can't bring myself to show people that i'm playing this game blah 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 blah, blah. and i was like nice. oh i was like well with the tickets and stuff having to get to the next levels 
how's that been? And he was like, all right, well, maybe I spent a little money. I was like, oh, snap, this joke is buying his way onto the next levels. That's I was like, you can't tell me you. you don't care. Yeah, so, that's where they so get you. So funny. So he's one of those guys that, you know, stood strong on not paying for anything. But when it came to opening up more levels, he's more than willing to give a dollar here and a dollar there. You know, I bought one, one time, because I wanted to test a theory that if you purchase something, you would get a better chance of advancing to the next level. Like huh. it would, because that Lauren had that theory for a while because she was stuck on something and then she she's like screw it I'm gonna buy this and then like the next time she did it she advanced with the th- with the thing she bought yeah well after she bought I think she, I think it was just she bought more lives right so when she bought more lives like that next time she, she was able like to the advance level was to the easier. next level huh so we were so we were both like huh. That's an interesting theory. So I tried it, and of course, I didn't get anywhere. <laughs> it set you back a level. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like Candyland. I went all the way back to the beginning. <laughs> Shoots and ladders. Yeah. Oh shoot, that's funny. Um, yeah, it's good. You guys want to get into this uh, interview? Yes. Oh yes, yes. I was going to say right, kind of right near the end. If you haven't played, probably I think it's like the first fifteen minutes of the game. Um, just go ahead and skip there and Phil kind of lets you know when there's a spoiler coming up because he has to mention it in order to, uh, talk a little explain bit about the sound. Yeah. Yes. To explain something. So, uh, just listen for that if you haven't played the game yet or if you're, you know, just not, not wanting to dangerous. ruin the It's experience. not that dangerous of a spoiler. It, it really isn't, but you know, just keep that in mind. I'm with you on that one. You, ladies and gentlemen, Timothy Hall. And Phil Kovacs. Let's go ahead and roll into it. This is Tim with Mary to the Games. I'm doing an interview today with Phil Kovats. He's the lead audio engineer, is it, for Naughty uh, Dog? Lead. Just audio lead. Audio yeah. lead. Cool. Yeah. Um, tell us about how you became interested in audio engineering and production. Well, first of all, Tim, thanks for having me on board. Uh, this is great to uh, talk to you guys and uh, get some more of our little story out there and uh, just kind of talk about the last of us some more because you know it, it wasn't enough just to deal with it the last three years of our lives so <laughs> yeah um no but uh how do i get interested in audio um well uh it's it's an interesting story uh just most likely anybody i started out you know loving music as a kid and was brought up with music and uh i learned how to play the piano and and uh, growing up in the late 70s and early 80s, there was a lot of interesting new sounds to be heard uh, by synthesis. And uh, I always kind of had a thing for that in movies like Star Wars and, and Return, or, or, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark and all those great adventure movies and Close Encounters. Um, it was funny because... My, I grew up doing music, but my parents were always like, oh, that's a great hobby, kid. But you got to have a real job kind of a thing. And that's kind of the path that I went on and uh, went to school and got a college degree and did the whole thing and went to the workforce and was working at Enterprise Rent-A-Car. And uh, I ended up, uh, we ended up renting uh, some vehicles to a company that was 
shooting some commercials up in Santa Fe. And I became friends with some of the production staff in there and talked to them about how much I love movies and sound and music and uh, thinking that I was going to become a composer uh, for TV and film. Uh, they were like, hey, you got to come to L.A. So I did. And this was January of 97. And I uh, just came sight unseen, quit my job and figured out what I could do. And ended up getting a job at, as an intern at Frank Serafini's studio in Venice, California. And for those of you who don't know who he is, he's uh, an Academy Award-winning sound designer, Tron, Hunt for October, Lawnmower Man, those kinds of movies. And a uh, great guy. Uh, totally gave me a chance. And he had a full-on like post-production studio there with uh, mixing and Foley and sound effects and the whole thing and a music studio as well. So uh, I just got a chance to dig in and, and really, really fell in love with sound effects. And uh, just basically moved that <laughs> into that direction, and uh, it was it was the best decisions I've ever made in my life. So that's great. Uh, what made you get into game audio? Um, necessity. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was it was interesting. I was I was working in post production doing uh, TV work at the time, and uh, it being a TV show, they stopped working during the summer and. Uh, a gentleman by the name of Richard Adrian I had met earlier, who's now an audio director at uh, EA uh, Vancouver. Um, he was, at the time, uh, working at a company called Nova Logic out in uh, Calabasas, uh, California. And they did games like Delta Force and Armored Fist and uh, Ch uh, Comanche. And so he was like, hey, well, maybe you can come out and help us out. And so I went for an interview with uh, Tom Hayes and, and the guys at Nova Logic, and we got along great and jumped in, uh, started doing sound for a game called Tacky on the Fringe was my first game that I worked on. So it was, it was awesome. It was, it was a really great opportunity and my first time working in Pro Tools and uh, really just doing pure sound design work, and it was, it was a blast. At that time, were there, were there still tape recordings or was most of it digital for gaming? Uh, it's all digital at this point. Yeah. Okay, cool. Cool. Yeah. The responsibilities of a field recordist and sound designer are pretty well known. What are the duties assigned to an audio lead? Well, uh, still do a lot of uh, work, uh, still getting the hands dirty, keeping the razor sharp. Um, and basically, I would describe my job as being like a post production supervisor on a film. Uh, or, uh, you know, supervising sound designer, supervising sound editor. My responsibility pretty much is everything that comes out of the speakers. Um, we try to surround ourselves by people who are really good at what they do. Uh, one of the things that I like to do, the way I like to work, is very collaboratively. Um, yes, I'm responsible for the overall vision. I work with the creative director and the game director, Neil Druckmann and Bruce Straley. Uh, and the other leads at Naughty Dog, and we come up with kind of a, a concept and how things are going to work, how things are going to be designed um, throughout the game. And my responsibility is to make sure that their vision is transferred into audio. Um, and it's it's fun for me to work with people who I think are extremely talented. And I was very lucky to work with some amazing people during this game who I've worked with plenty in the past for the most part, some new faces as well. But, uh, uh, everybody really kind of like gave it their all. And, and I just basically, um, wanted to make sure that all the bases were covered. 
just like any film crew, you got music, you have Foley, you have design, you've got uh, dialogue, and you try and mix everything together. And so we had a dialogue supervisor by the name of Jimmy Barker. I had a, two senior sound designers, uh, Steve Johnson at first, who worked on Journey as well before. Uh, and he actually just left the industry. So we, uh, then I worked with Derek Espino. And uh, then on music side, we work with our Sony uh, music uh, service group, uh, led by Jonathan Mayer for Naughty Dog and Scott Hanau. And I just had a few other sound designers, but we also collaborated with Sound Deluxe on doing our cinematics and uh, recording Foley and, and that type of work. Um, so it was an amazing team, which we just fired... I feel like on all cylinders and came up with something pretty special. So, yeah. And there's definitely got to be somebody to kind of wrangle it all in and, and bring it together yeah. for the final product. And yeah. that's, that's kind of my job is making sure that, that the directors are happy and uh, the co-presidents, Evan and Christoph are happy and, and that we come together with like a whole, uh, a whole product. Also, uh, I just want to mention uh, one of my responses is working with the audio programmer as well and making sure technology technology that we need to make sure that it sounds good is all put together uh, and uh it's it's a heck of a job i'll tell you that much um but i think what's fun for me is is making all this stuff come alive and and really seeing the story come together at the end and i think part of the fun about being an audio lead is being able to put all these disparate uh pieces together into a complete whole which enhances hopefully if you do it well the overall experience so mm -hmm. it's fun that's great it was yeah. it george lucas that said sound was 50 percent of the experience i can't remember who said that um I believe it was uh it was either george <laughs> or steven spielberg yeah definitely so, I think they, they're both of the same mind as far as that goes. <laughs> sure. So. Um, the Last of Us uh, contains some very eerie sound design work. Where did the inspiration for some of the creature sounds come from? So the infected, I think you're thinking of. Mm -hmm. um, well, we, <laughs> we went back and forth on this for quite a while uh, because the infected really went through – a lot of design changes uh, throughout the process of creating the game. Um, it, they went from very exotic at the beginning to becoming very human at the end, for the most part. Um, and, you know, there was always about the cordyceps and the fungus and how it was affecting uh, these people. And uh, over the course of the game, uh, it's a long story there, but we eventually came up with that there was going to be... Um, uh, four uh, types that you'd encounter, early infected, recently infected, the runners, uh, then the stalkers who are kind of in between the runners and the clickers who are basically uh, at this point kind of taken over by the, uh, the fungus, the parasite. And then later on, the, the late ones, the bloaters, who are these just encased in uh, fungal goodness uh, big boys. And, um, you know, I think early on in the process, uh, we really felt that what was scary, and this just comes back to the very beginning, like we talked about in the past and in, in uh, other uh, uh, discussions, that uh, we really wanted to keep this grounded sense of, of you know, realism, hyper-realism, of course, but a realism in this. 
And it, we were trying to come at this game from more of like this kind of indie attitude, sort of uh, from No Country for Old Men, The Road, these types of inspirations. Um, even though they didn't have creatures or anything, uh, we felt that we owed it to have it be more of a less is more kind of attention building uh, exercise. And thinking about this, we came up with the idea uh, earlier on that it wasn't the human that was evil. It was the fungus that was actual evil. The humans are just along for the ride. They're screwed. Um, and we wanted to convey the sense of, uh, pain, suffering, loss, horror, uh, to the sounds of the infected. And once our, uh, lead character designer, Mike Noland came up with the, the full on clicker <laughs> designs, uh, with the, uh, cordyceps blossoming from the, the eyes and cracking the skull and leaving this cleft and splitting everything apart and figuring out that they'd be blind, um, the echolocation really kind of came to the forefront of an idea. And we did a lot of research on the echolocation. Um, we really kind of looked at animal kingdom. We looked at bats and dolphins and other animals, even a couple birds that use echolocation. But in our research, we also saw that there are humans that use echolocation. There are some blinded individuals who have really tuned their senses uh, to um, use either clapping or uh, broadband clicks in the back of their mouth. Kind of, I don't know how that's going to come across in the microphone, but uh, to kind of get an, a mental image of their surroundings. And there was actually a gentleman, I don't remember his name right now, who, was, who would teach other blind people to echolocate. And we thought it was really, really clever and really interesting. And so we thought about these concepts on how, you know, how we could evolve kind of these human fungal hybrids, um, <laughs> to, uh, to use this sort of technology, I guess, technology or evolution, um, to get around. And we, we did a lot of, uh, trial and error, uh, and stuff that did not sound good, uh, until we worked, uh, me and Derek Espino worked with a couple of actors, to try and say, hey, look, we're kind of hitting a wall. Can you help us out? Kind of get in the booth with us and kind of do a few things. We'll see what works out. Uh, well, there's this woman by the name of Misty Lee, who's an amazing voice actress. And she just kind of came up with this sound that was kind of almost like an inhale through the back of the throat, which kind of slowly vibrated the chords, uh, which wasn't a click per se, but it, it, it had this kind of dolphin esque kind of quality to it. And we knew we were onto something at that point. Uh, and then through the wonderful use of editing, clever editing and, and, uh, uh, iteration and all kinds of things, uh, we figured out a process and a ways to make sure that, um, we could get this kind of creepy, um, echolocation sound from a human, uh, and I got to stress that almost everything you hear from the infected are human. Uh, there's no animal sounds built into to the to the to the infected. Um, the only sweetening sound I think we used was dry ice at one point for some of the more aggressive uh, uh, sounds. But everything there is 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 based on a human or made by a human. It was processed to some degree. So everything from babies up to me. <laughs> so, <laughs> 
I was going to say, I watched the Soundworks collection video, and I believe you played the male clicker. Were you actually credited for that? Uh, I don't think so, uh, but that's okay, even if it wasn't. It's funny because uh, Bruce Straley ended up being the, the movements for the clicker, and I ended up being pretty much the voice for the male clicker. <laughs> so it's, it's, a, it's a collaborative you know, team effort. You know, we, we get our hands dirty. We get in there and do stuff, and, and it's, it's a lot of fun to do that because we know these characters, and we know what we're trying to achieve, and sometimes – you know, what you come up with yourself <laughs> ends up being uh, what, what what passes through the cutting room floor. So definitely. Yeah. Um, do you have any favorite sound effects or voicings in the game? Um, and if there's a story behind them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a couple of, of things I think that are that are really interesting in this game. Um one is actually really, really silly. Uh, all the rats in the game are uh, chickens. <laughs> and they're chickens that were recorded in uh, Rio de Janeiro uh, by one of our sound designers, Neil Yucatel. Uh, he had to go down there uh, during production with his wife, who was doing a symposium for her work down there. And uh, so he brought his recording equipment down, and he, he recorded a bunch of like old rusty doors and gates and all kinds of things. But he also got these really awesome chickens which uh, became the rats. Um, I would say, I don't think there's any like very uh, specific favorites, like sounds themselves, but I would say what I'm probably most proud of in this game is how we were able to make it all kind of work together and feel as like a single world. Um, We, worked incredibly hard to get kind of this environmental audio system all put together. Uh, And probably out of the three years that we worked on the game, uh, we probably worked on that the longest. Um, Basically working on, you know, obstruction, occlusion, exclusion, cone filtering, uh, environmental reverb, uh, propagation of audio between uh, portals um, to basically get this, feeling that you're actually in the world. Um, and it's not perfect, but I, I would probably go on record to say it's probably one of the most complicated uh, and best-sounding versions of, of uh, environmental audio uh, that, are, that are out there. And um, I, I think that what we were able to achieve with that is a way of placing the player uh and through the Avatar Joel or Ellie, wherever they're playing the game, um, in that world and really kind of being able to feel that they're in a space, whether it's a smaller space or outdoor larger space, and being able to uh, tactically um, know kind of where their uh, enemies are at, the, at that time via audio. Um, and that was something that we really wanted to try and do, whether it was the uh, infected or the human uh, enemies in the game. Uh, and that is what I think worked together well with the AI system to allow you to have these interesting encounters that let you have a choice of like, oh, I can sneak around because I can hear them going off to the right and going through a door. And I can tell they're in another space right now. I can just by using my ear, I can tell they're in another space compared to, you know, just saying, oh, they're that way. Right. And that was something that we really wanted to make sure that we got across. And I think we were really, really successful for the most part in that. 
Uh, I know it's not perfect. <laughs> I'm still close enough to it to say that there are a few bugs here and there, but, uh, but I think we, we got pretty darn close to, to what we were trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I think, I think people have been able to have a, a pretty good experience with it thus far. So that's great. Yeah. Uh, tell me more about the location recordings for The Last of Us. What approach was taken to capturing sounds from the real world? Uh, a lot. Um, we, we did a lot of recording, uh, on the game, whether it was, uh, on a Foley stage, but, uh, different than normal Foley for like a movie. We, we, we did also try and get some like real space kind of direction, but because everything is so interactive in the game, we try to try and get things as dry as possible, but we did, we did things with a lot of layers added. So we were able to peel away detail, uh, get a level of detail at distance and, and, uh, for like footsteps and, and movement and those types of things. But, uh, boy, uh, let's see, uh, Derek did travels, uh, between Uncharted three and last of us to Japan and New Zealand. Uh, I was able to get some really great water sounds and ambient recordings of air and birds and water and mud and all kinds of items like that. Uh, I mentioned before Neil was down in uh, Rio, got some great things there for us. Um, Steve Johnson, when he was on the project earlier, actually all the water footsteps are actually uh, him. <laughs> Uh, wading through the ponds in our, in our, uh, corporate area, the water gardens where Naughty Dog is located <laughs> and holding, holding the microphone there. So it's actually him walking through the water. Uh, authenticity. And, yes, absolute authenticity. <laughs> uh, we also did a lot of, um, just even our, even our, uh, melee sounds were recorded. Uh, we consciously, uh, tried not to overhype the uh the fisticuffs in the game um because we knew that if we were trying to keep this grounded sense of realism because joel is this kind of everyman uh even more so than nathan drake nathan can you know jump around he's kind of like indiana jones right it's a little Mm. more hyper hyper real um but uh the last of us the world is a bit more grounded and we thought that it would probably be scarier and more kind of ooh uh, sounding if it sounded more real. Because there is, if you've ever been in a fight or seen a fight, uh, you, there is that mm, skin contacting skin sound, which kind of makes people kind of go ooh. You know, it, it feels like it hurts. Mm. And uh, we did a lot of uh, very specific recordings of of you know open knuckles and hands and those types of sounds, which when processed the right way and added with certain things kind of gave us really great sense of skin contacting skin, which I, I think we were, uh, Derek was, did a freaking fantastic job on that. It really made it awesome. Um, gosh, uh, I even got out there, uh, spent, uh, New Year's in Northern Arizona and recorded a bunch of winter, uh, sounds that kind of the quiet of the, the winter forest, um, snow footsteps out in ice and snow and, and also, uh, what was amazing, it had a really big snow one day. And I think if you stop at one point in time, either as, uh, Ellie or Joel in Lakeside, uh, you can actually hear during the blizzard, the sounds of the snow actually hitting their coats. Uh, I was actually able to capture that. It was snowing so hard one day. I just stood there 
holding my breath with the microphone pointed right at my coat, <laughs> trying to get the sound of snow hitting the uh, a person. So uh, we did a lot of recording on this game. And uh, I think it uh, actually added quite well to the authenticity and, and believability of the world that you're in. That's great. Uh, game audio allows you to take advantage of the very low lows all the way to the top of the loudness spectrum. Yes. Tell us how you use the dynamic range to your advantage in The Last of Us. Um, that was something that we decided to work with early on. Um, games, for the most part, are about the experience. The uh, And a lot of times when you're playing games that are, let's say, like first-person shooters or big adventure games, you have a lot of music, you have kind of this fog of war, uh, you have a lot of information that is being trying to be sent to the player um, at any given time. And sometimes it's hard to discern that information because there's so much being uh, sent at you at any given moment in a game. Mm-hmm. Um, we really looked at film and especially films that we were shooting towards, like especially no country for old men and skip Lucy did an amazing job with that movie. And one of the things that I remember from the first time seeing that film was if you remember, there's a hotel scene where, uh, uh, Jason Brolin is, is in the hotel and he's waiting for, uh, He's thinking the other character, I can't remember his name right now, is is coming after him or looking for him. And he's sitting there on the bed with the shotgun and it's dead quiet. You can hear every creak of the floor. You can hear the sound of the feet with the socks going across the floor. And one of the things I noticed about that was how people sat forward in their chairs and they just kind of got into that moment and paid more attention and were sucked into this high tension moment. And I really wanted to try to achieve that in a game. And we wanted to really make sure that in this world where there, for the most part, when you weren't in a quarantine zone or any type of uh, built out area, there was no electricity. There was no traffic. There were none of these sounds that you uh, relate with in the real world or our world. Noise uh, pollution. Exactly, noise pollution. Um, you, there's just silence and whatever kind of breaks the silence of that moment, whether it's detritus falling from the ceiling or birds or bugs or what have you. Uh, and uh, basically the sound of things being disturbed. And so it almost makes it creepier because if something's making sound, it probably shouldn't be happening or it could be something coming after you. And um, so we kept the real a high dynamic range. I think we actually ended up with about 23 dB of a dynamic range in the game. Um, so we really did try and keep the lows low, quiet, and which kind of gave us this really great uh, canvas to work with where sounds needed to be loud or scare the player. Um, and it became that way because, you know, we didn't really, we were doing things like bring buildings down and huge planes exploding and, and other things you have in, in, in other games uh, that we even do at Naughty Dog with, with the Uncharted series. Um, so we really felt that the scariest thing in this game would be a gun going off. 
for the most part. I think we do have a couple of bombs in, in the game as well, too. But so when a gun goes off, that could be the end of you. And it should be shocking and loud and really kind of, you know, just hit hard and strong. And so we, we were fortunate enough to be able to do that because it actually lets uh, p- the player feel like they're actually firing a weapon, you know, where it's not just like pow, 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 it's blam, you know? Um, and so you'd have these great moments of quiet that could be punctuated by these uh, very quick and uh, fast moments of, of loud sound, which I think, you know, causes players to tighten up a little bit and, uh, and feel that tension even stronger. So we kind of, we, we kept that from, from the recording side all the way through the final mix. And that's, that really is something that I'm proud of that we were able to achieve because that's, that's a hard, that's a hard thing to sell. I think when you're talking to game, uh, game directors and, you know, usually they're like, Oh, this isn't loud enough or isn't loud enough. And you try to explain to them, you know, mixing is the art of reduction. It's not the art of making everything louder. Uh, yeah, the, fader, <laughs> the hands don't go up on the faders; they pull them down, and um, and so it's it's a hard sell a lot of times. And uh, I think we we had we had a few battles along the way, but uh, we won for the most part. And I think that I think once they saw the final product of how it was all being mixed together and working, that it was it was really servicing their vision and the story. That's great. Yeah, I, you speak of those lean-in moments, man. I, when I was playing, I really had some of those lean-in moments because it'd be complete silence, and you're just thinking, oh, there's something beyond that bus there. There's something around that car wreck there that I'm not seeing, and it's like just going to jump out at me. Just yeah. amazing. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun to set those things up. I think even for me, the scariest part of the whole game is the um, uh, the hotel basement area. Where you're down there in the water and you're trying to find the key card to get up out of the hotel to get back to Ellie. And there's just, it's pretty creepy. <laughs> it freaks me out. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, we, we really played with uh, fall off curves and uh, all types of uh, environmental audio uh, cues to actually help uh, with that process. And because it was, it was an experience that I felt that if we could truly give that to the players, they would, they would appreciate, um, the suspense and the survival aspects and, and how they're trying to get through this alive. Definitely. I mean, it's, it's so interesting that you mentioned that because, it, one of the things about the show, everybody knows that I'm kind of a run and gun kind of guy. I'm just like running in and shooting everything. So yeah. Uncharted was like the perfect game for me because I was running through and just blasting everybody. <laughs> but The Last of Us made me really do something that I don't tend to do, and that's just sneak and creep and try to listen to what what is around the corner. You know, it's yeah. just very gripping. Um, and this kind of goes along with it. In what way does Gustavo's score enhance the experience for the player? Yeah, Gustavo, wow. Uh, he is just something else. And by something else, I mean talented. <laughs> um, he, it's kind of an interesting story. Um, I had a lot of interesting stories in this game. <laughs> um, I came on to this game probably about three years before it was released. And they had already been doing a few months of pre-production right after Uncharted 2, uh, Naughty Dog split into two teams. Um, and, uh, 
So Neil and Bruce had already been kind of looking at music and seeing what they would want for something like this. And when I was brought on board, they asked the same thing of me. They were like, hey, what kind of music influences do you think would sound great in this game? And uh, they also worked with, uh, before I came on board, with the Uncharted uh, audio lead Bruce Swanson as well, because he's been around for amazing amount of time in this industry and he's he's got some amazing ideas um and of all of our little uh music groupings that we had of stuff that inspired us gustavo's music was in each of ours and he quickly became kind of this brass ring of like oh my god if we could only and we had talked to a couple other composers and and uh, you know and, and for whatever reason they fell through and or it wasn't perfect and finally uh chuck dowd i believe it was who is the head of sony uh music uh service group at sony computer entertainment basically said why don't we just approach him what you know it's not going to hurt anything so they approached him and said hey would you like to kind of work on this game and and he was like sure you know i'll take a meeting i'll, I'll take a listen to it and so um, Bruce and Neil gave Gustavo their pitch for the game and kind of went over the story and the environment and what they were trying to achieve. And there, and Neil, you know, was wondering like, how am I going to convince this guy and everything? Gustavo just said, "When do I start?" Hmm. Uh, this it basically was something that spoke to him from a, uh, a level of story that he hadn't seen before in games and he'd been approached by other gaming companies, but he's always kind of, kind of turned them down. It didn't click with him. And there was something about this, which just kind of clicked with him. And I remember our first meeting with Gustavo and he had these amazing ideas and we put around words like hopeful melancholy and, um, uh, these, these terms that basically were more emotive in music. And, he just came up with these themes and sounds uh, which were haunting and just perfect. In fact, the first piece of music he ever delivered to Naughty Dog became the theme of the game. Wow. Um, he just hit it out of the park immediately. <laughs> and uh, he is an amazing collaborator, and he has such a great love of motivation and theme and melody and uh he just he brought this aesthetic that he had um to life with these characters and i think you there's special moments in the game like where the uh where the player encounters the the um uh giraffe uh where I'm sorry, spoilers. Uh, when Joel's daughter Sarah dies at the beginning of the game, um, and uh, countless others, I think, where he just it just hits perfectly, and it's not a huge sweeping choral or symphonic score. It's usually very subtractive, which goes back again to what we were trying to achieve with sound throughout the entire process. Uh, in fact. Once again, citing No Country for Old Men, I think there was less than 20 minutes of music for the entire movie uh, that Carter Burwell did, and I believe that over five minutes of that was the end credits. So um, it was kind of the same idea. We wanted to go to this reductive process uh, instead of... Because usually a lot of times when you're in games, and you know this, we do Uncharted as well, um, when you enter a level which is a high-tension area, you usually ratchet up the music 
and make it bigger and more intense and more uh, Hollywood scoring. Uh, sorry, it's a plane going overhead right now. Um, but uh, the way we approached this was how can we tear that apart? So in the tension, there's less. The, the player kind of has to lean in and listen and pay attention. And uh, we just kind of kept the, his music very organic and, and kind of feather in and out of, of the game instead of being a constant reminder that there's music to tell you what to feel at any given time. So he was, he was amazing. Amazing. I, can't, I cannot wait to work with him again. That's great. Uh, what does the final mix of a game typically consist of? Is it similar to a film mix or what, what are the differences? Um, well, uh, you end up with the same kind of material. You end up with stems. Uh, we break all our audio down into stems and those stems sit across virtual faders for us. Um, in our, uh, instance, I mean, I can have about as many faders as I decide that I want to have, uh, however crazy I want my job to be at the end of the game. Um, and we sit there and we play through the game and we try to come up with an experience. Um, we have snapshots, we have ways of, of creating submixes within certain areas. Um, but a lot of times, and the way we approach sound at Naughty Dog for the game is we have a lot of metadata at our disposal uh, to create the sound of the game. And Bruce and Mai's aesthetic is basically for every sound that you put in the game, you're actually mixing at that point in time. And you're trying to tell, tell a story. You're trying to create an experience. And so we start, quote, unquote, mixing from the very first time we start putting sound in. Um, because in an interactive environment, it's a lot different than linear. Linear, no matter how many times you watch it, the same thing's going to happen every time. And in a game, it's very interactive. You can have a different experience depending on where you are, what you have, how you're playing the game, how many enemies are around you, what have you. And we have to be prepared for all those types of circumstances, and it has to sound good at any of those circumstances. And so uh, I think, uh, I don't know if it was Bruce or Jonathan coined the term sound behavior designer was kind of where our industry is heading toward. Because to say a sound effects designer, it's kind of a reactive process. And we have to be a lot more uh, nimble than that. And uh, sounds in, uh, in interactive games have a lot of behaviors that are attached to them. And uh, we have to be able to uh, uh, anticipate those behaviors and uh, work with those behaviors and help create those behaviors. So um, every one of our sounds has a myriad, I think over 55 pieces of metadata that are attached to each sound in the game and these kind of tell it where to where it's going to be how it's going to sound how loud for how long uh fall off how far uh, how it's going to interact with the reverb how it's going to interact with the environmental audio uh all these types of items uh based on what time sound it is and a lot of our mixing actually goes into creating that metadata along the way so we're mixing as we go um on these games. So if we've done our job correctly, by the time we sit down to the final mix, we're probably about 85 to 90% there. Hmm. Um, and once we're at that point, we kind of look at the big picture and trying to achieve where we're at 
How are the cinematics sitting uh, compared to the gameplay? Uh, how is the dialogue overall uh, compared to the ambience, compared to the hard effects, compared to the music? Kind of make the big moves at that point in time. And uh, so it's a lot like a final mix of a feature, um, but we're, we're basically pushing virtual faders and text files <laughs> at that point in time instead of getting our hands on the console. Um, I know that, uh, you know, some companies use MIDI and what have you to kind of get those, those faders going, but, uh, we don't (laughs) at yet, at this point yet. Um, so there, there's, there's a lot more number crunching maybe in our mix than you would in a film mix, (laughs) but, um, but it's basically the, the experience, you know, that we're trying to achieve. And at that point in time, we're trying to make sure that the overall experience is being told and the story is being adhered to in the final mix. Um, you know, we have thousands of sounds at any given time, uh, which get sent to submixes of weapons, Foley, what have you. And, and we try and keep track of that with snapshots. And, and uh, all the reverbs are done via our environmental audio. So there's not really a lot of, of specialized reverbs going in as you would on a film mix. Uh, perspective uh, changes are, are handled uh, in-game. And we have to be aware of those early on. Uh, so there's there's a lot of technology that actually goes into it. Um, but I think uh, having the uh, experience um, that I've had through post-audio and also in games and that kind of in mixing and kind of... You know, and, and myself trying to be a storyteller at heart. Uh, I may not be writing the story, I may not be drawing the story, but I'm certainly you know using my ears to try and make sure that it gets across. Um, I tried to create that overall experience that when the player sits down from the moment they hit the start, but even before with the, our uh, our minimalist menu screen in the game, uh, the moment those credits roll, that they're going to have just an awesome audio experience. So. Uh, it's it's a, it's a tough one uh, mixing the game, but it's it's incredibly rewarding. That's great. I think you did a great job. No, thank you very very much. It's total team effort. Uh, we sat there. I think I think all being told, uh, we had probably somewhere in the neighborhood of ten to eleven people working in house at any given point. Whether it was dialogue scripting or mastering localization, sound effects work. Uh, music integration, audio programming, uh, plus myself. And then also we had uh, help from people at the Sony uh, Production Development Sound uh, Service Group uh, for some more written game cinematics. And again, as I said earlier, we also had help with uh, from Sound Deluxe, DMG, Scott Gershon's group, uh, led by Shannon Potter, to do our cinematics uh, mixing and also uh, record some Foley in their studios as well as deliver some in-game assets as well. So there's a lot of coordination that happens with that, too, to make sure that they get some of the in-game designs that we're using, also that they understand the objectives that we're trying to achieve so the movies sound very similar to the game and you have this kind of continuous experience going from a movie to the game and back and forth again. We really wanted to try and make that as smooth and seamless as possible. That's great. Good deal. Well, this is Tim Hall with Married to the Games podcast, and this is Phil Kovats of Naughty Dog. Um, 
<laughs> if you haven't picked up The Last of Us yet, you need to check it out. You need to keep these elements in mind while you're playing the game. Don't lean too close to the television. You know, you're going to have to jump <laughs> back if you're shooting a gun. But, uh, yeah, thanks a lot for uh, coming on, Phil, and talking with us today. Absolutely. It was an amazing pleasure. Thank you very much for inviting me. And I hope everybody who uh, gets to play this game really kind of enjoys the uh, experience we all try to create for them. That's great. Thanks, man. Awesome. Thank you. That'll do, Hall. That'll do. Ah, I, gu- I guess I get paid back. Yes. Uh, touche. That was awesome. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I mean, Phil, you know, he's a pretty cool guy from the moment we got into the interview, man. He was just like, boom, boom, boom. Um, yeah, he, he does not sound like a computer guy. Like, he does not sound like the guy sitting in front of his computer having to code all kind of different stuff and getting the, you know what I'm saying? Cause sometimes engineers or computer people can be a little introverted mm-hmm. and he, he definitely like, he feels like he could be a personality on something, which <laughs> yeah. I love. Um, he was, he was a lot of fun to talk to, man. I mean, you know, and he's in that Soundworks collection video that we sent out a little while ago. Right, so right. if you haven't checked that out yet, go take a look and uh, kind of see behind the scenes on the last of us, the sound of it. It's pretty it was cool. Great. It was really great. Thank you, Phil. We appreciate it. Um, all right, rumor mill time. Da, 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 da. Go. An anonymous source has confirmed. So I don't know if a, anonymous sources can confirm stuff since they're right. anonymous. But um, that the Xbox Microsoft might be releasing a connectless Xbox bundle in 2014, and almost releasing like a a a budget friendly xbox and the and the rumor is it could be as cheap as 350 to 375 what do you guys think of that oh that's that's just a scramble because of the the price the hundred dollar price difference from e3 but i think it's so crazy like why push so hard and this is rumor so i you know if you know that never happened then you know obviously but like to even force the connect on people just to do a something without the connect doesn't make any sense. I think they're waiting to see what the reaction is. Cause like I said, this all comes out at a bad time, you know, the NSA and everybody's been talking about that and the news outlets keep talking about the NSA. So mm-hmm. people, you know, when a mom finds out that it's an always on camera and like audio device, like that's a little creepy. That's very creepy. I mean, I, I don't want to say it's an always-on video camera. I don't think it's an always-on video camera. No, but, but it's an always-on audio device yeah. that's just, quote-unquote, listening for Xbox on. And, and that, you know what I'm saying? But, yeah, and that and that may be their only intention. Like, that may be their only thing. They're like, oh, we we just want to listen to you so we know when to turn on. But at the same time, it's always listening. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. There's a lot that's of, the problem. There's a lot of bad things that could be done with it with something that's just always listening. Somebody could go in there and be like, "Oh, okay, let's change." This and how up many a bit. things? And how many things like in an argument or just in speaking? I know not a lot of words have an X in it, but I used to have this thing called the light commander that would turn my light on and off in my room. And it was kind of one of those things where it was like light commander on, light commander light off. Commander. You know what I'm saying? It was the it was the worst thing in the world. Light and commander. I actually, you know, it's funny. I'm I'm so dorky that I figured out how to whistle at it. Like I w- I found out what it listened for, and I would come up with a whistle and 
know how to turn it on and off. So nice. when I had people over, they didn't hear me in my room like, light commander, on. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I found that, yeah, I found that when I was in my room, like, you know, I'd be counter striking it up or something like that. And the light would just be flickering on and off because <laughs> just in what I was saying, it was picking up on whatever. Now, of course, the Xbox is going to be way far further along in technology right. than that. But Xbox commander just, on. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it does. It does. Like, I just wonder, like, I wonder what kind of things will trip it on that aren't Xbox on. Right. You know, anyway. Yeah, okay. I think it's Another I think it's just a response to well, we got to do something to try and get our price down and you know, PS4 doesn't even come with the move anyway or whatever it is. But Right. So I think it's just it's just, it's a reaction to uh E3. Yeah, and right, and right. I was going to say I think what they're going to do is see how this next year, like 2014 kind of pans out and then if they think that they need to pull the plug on the whole required connect thing. I think they'll do that next Christmas. Yeah, so yeah. you're right. Yeah. The story mentioned too, like if you force the connect on people, then it also kind of forces developers to maybe come up with things to do with it because mm-hmm. we both know the move and the connect. The, I mean, it was barely any reason to want to make a game for them. That's that. And that's the reason why that they wanted to make it a required thing. So there would at least be a reason. Right. You know, if right. everybody has to have it, then yeah, you can make a game for it. Yeah. Um, okay. So moving on before we do some questions, cause we got a lot of questions this week and we yes, love that. We don't we ever do. want to take away from that. So, but I wanted to give you guys this other piece of news, which I thought was hilarious. The original Madden programmer. Did you guys see the story? His name's Robin. I'm going to jack up his last name. Antonick. A-N-T-O-N-I-C-K. Robin Antonick. I don't know. Anyway, he was the guy that originally programmed Madden, you know, back in the 80s. Uh, and he programmed it for, he developed it for MS-DOS, Commodore, and the Apple II platforms. Mm-hmm. Anyway, a couple years ago, he sued EA uh, for unpaid royalties. Wow. And, you know, he was saying the contract that I signed, you know, back in 86 said that he would get royalties for the game and so he is getting a piece of every Madden game sold between 1990 and 1996 he's getting 11 million dollars wow <laughs> which is awesome that is awesome that's, that's cool and it opens it up even further to now he can sue since he won that now he can sue from 97 to present oh boy wow which would make him a very very wealthy man <laughs> all of a sudden shoot i'll so, take 11 million and call it a day too uh, <laughs> yeah i'll walk away from that yeah i can certainly so, walk away from that i know wow. but i think it's probably a principal thing oh, over sure. a money thing at this point and, and not for nothing but right now 11 million to ea is a drop in the bucket well it is but you don't know what the rest of it's going to be if he wins this second one he will then own EA at the at that point, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, go get your money, player. I, right. I love that. I love when people have a come up like that. They're like, dude, I did all this work, and y'all don't want to pay me my money? All right, I got something for you. Next thing you know, they're on Judge Joe Brown. And he's like, <laughs> let me get this straight. <laughs> y'all haven't paid this man his money since 97. Eleven million dollars in your court costs. <laughs> um, and court costs. 
<laughs> oh goodness. Okay. I missed Router, that show. do it up. I know, right? Do it up with the cues. All right. Uh, we got, like you said, man, we got a lot of questions. So thank you everybody for, for tweeting and for, uh, post, posting on Facebook. First one from Mr. Mark Boucher. And this is actually more for you, Gabe. He says, does Toby or anybody else in the band ever play games with you? If so, what's the go-to game to play? Um, they don't, which, which sucks. Um, like I was telling you guys a couple of weeks ago, they did watch me play The Last of Us though, which was really fun. Um, the game, if I, if I wanted to, if I was like, all right, I'm getting these guys this week and we're going to all play a game together, it would have to be Tiger Woods golf. There you go. Cause Toby does love Tiger Woods. He used to really, really love it. Now he's got five kids, so he doesn't get to love it as much as he used to, but he used to, uh, every Tuesday, we would go to his studio and, and play Tiger Woods on the Xbox. That's awesome. And so if I really wanted people to play, I'd bring out Tiger Woods, but it would still have to have some talking into probably and NCAA basketball. I think we, we had that on the bus for a little bit and they like that. That's awesome. All right. Next question from Kirk D. Washington, the second from the Comic Con news, which film are you most excited about? You know what's oh, sad? Gosh. I didn't really watch any Comic-Con at all. I know IGN was streaming it, but I totally didn't do much. I was working all weekend, and I'm just like, ah, oh, this sucks. Um, ooh, that's a good question. Yeah, I don't really know. Uh, I am excited for the next Hunger Games. Yeah, but, that, but we kind of knew about that before Comic-Con. Well, that's true. Um, I've got to say, the picture that I saw, I didn't get to watch the trailer yet. But I know they debuted this season four of The Walking Dead there. Yes, I did see that. That looks awesome. And I yeah, was I, like, oh, heck yes, because I freaking love The Walking Dead. I, I still have to, to watch season three. I have it all in my DVR just sitting there, and I have to watch it. I can't yeah, wait. I would have to say Walking Dead just because it's coming soon, and I freaking love that show. Yep. You say the same thing, Hall? Yeah, I didn't really get to see. I, I think that they released like an extended trailer of the Hunger Games, the newest one. Yeah, um, I saw that. Yeah, I didn't really get to see much else than that. Um, but I did get to see that Walking Dead trailer, which I loved. Um, I'm really excited for season four. Yeah, um, and I'm kind of excited. This isn't related to that, but I'm kind of excited to see that Wolverine movie. I'm just waiting on the Rotten Tomato score. Oh yeah, it comes out. I Friday, hate to yeah. say that. But yeah. Sure. yeah. <laughs> I gotta wait and see how it does before I go see it, cause, man, I, I didn't think there was any way they could mess up the first one, and they did, so. <laughs> I didn't mind, the, I seriously, I did not mind the first one. Oh, I really man, I did not like that movie. I hated that part where he walked in the room and he said, Light Commander, on. <laughs> God, that was the worst part. Way to go, Hall. Touche. That's good. Golly. All right, um, here we go. And I'm trying oh, to take Jamie Foxx a little bit more serious, too. I think they released some uh, Electro, was the name? Yep. Yep. So, from hmm. Amazing Spider-Man 2. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> All right, I don't know go. if I want to see the new Spider-Man movies. Like, I haven't seen the, <clears throat> I haven't seen the latest one. And yeah, I didn't either. I don't know I, if I want to watch any of them. It's, it's, it's good. I have zero desire. I'm sure. I know the yeah, story. I'm, I know what happens. You know, it's like we're done. I'm sure it is. I just wanted the. I wish Spider-Man Three didn't suck so bad. Oh God, that was horrible. 
It was. That was man, bad. That's that's sad. Mm. All right, let's move on. Uh, next question from uh, Perville Patel. And forgive me if I screw up anybody's name. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, NTTG crew, been listening for a few months and really enjoy what you guys do. My question is, with the increase in number of open world style games that was evident from this year's E3, which style of games do each of you prefer and why? And what do you think are the pros and cons of each? That's a Ooh. great question. First off, thank you for listening. That's really awesome. I'm glad you've been you've enjoying it. Yeah. Um, for me, I love the open world style of games. I love those those adventure games. Um, I don't know, man. That's that's a good one. The pros are you can explore so much of of anything, and the more developers create these more open world games, uh, I think it just it just opens it up to just so many other things and and collectibles and all kinds of fun stuff. I think the cons of it is it, it's just it would take you so much longer to f- finish the game. Mm-hmm. And because I like to be thorough with everything, so if I'm going somewhere uh, that I haven't been before, it's you know it's off the beaten path. I'm going to look at everything, and that's just going to you know it just it, the the con is is that you you know if you're wanting to beat the game, it's going to just take you a lot longer. But I don't, I don't mind that. I enjoy the whole game experience anyway. So, you know, I'm in no rush. Like if I, if I play a game for a while, I'm fine with it. It's totally great as long as I'm enjoying it. Yeah, uh, I would have to say I'm an action adventure guy, probably. Uh, uh, Tomb Raider, Uncharted, Last of Us kind of guy. Um, I think the pros are they can, especially with the cinematics now, you can dive really deep into a story without having that long of a game. But the con is, is that it's not that long of a game. And, uh, and sometimes you don't get like the side quests and stuff to prolong your experience. Like last of us, I don't think has, has zero side quests. Like you never leave that main story of what you're trying to do. Um, and, uh, Tomb Raider has a bit of that too. So you can like go back and do things, but they're not like side quests. And I don't mean like, hey, man, I, I lost my keys. Can you find my keys someplace? But like just like stuff that could be, you know, important to the story uh, and just prolong the experience. Halsifer. I think um, uh, it's kind of a mix between I like the action adventure games, but I also like the RPG games. And the action adventure games have been like integrating a lot of those kind of RPG elements into them anyway. Um like Mass Effect, I love the Mass Effect games. So good. Um, <clears throat> I like, um, you know, Skyrim, so that kind of integrates RPG with open world. I think there's just a lot of cross-pollination with the genres lately. Um, you know, the pros is, you know, no matter what type of gamer you are, you can kind of enjoy uh, different types of games. So if you like more of the RPG stuff, Tomb Raider kind of gives you a lot of those elements, you know, the collecting, the um, leveling up, the experience points, all of that stuff is, you know, the the stuff that you get, um, the salvage, and you can build your weapon and stuff. So they put a lot of those elements in the Tomb Raider, and it made it a pretty fun experience. If it was just, you know, a standard action-adventure game with no none of that integration, I don't know if it would have scored as well as it did. Sure. Um so yeah, those are the pros. The cons, um, probably that, um, 
you know, we, we do uh, get some stories that are a little more linear in the action adventure genre. So there's not as much freedom, but for me, a lot of times, since I don't get the game as much, like I like to kind of have that straightforward story. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, don't, I don't like to have to keep track of locations and um, try to remember all this different stuff that's going on in this open world. Um, and sometimes that kind of turns me off to open world games, just having too much freedom, I guess. Yeah. Um, but that that's to say, I mean, I still enjoy those types of games. Now, I will say with the last one I played, Sleeping Dogs, um, I just ran it straight through the story. I didn't really do any of the side stuff. So, Yeah, I love that I, game so much. I, I did everything I could. <laughs> but I like that they gave you the choice. You know, they, they gave oh, you the yeah. choice to just run straight through it like I wanted to do. And they also give, you know, gave Router the opportunity to do everything. So. Yeah. I think that's it's great. All, especially, I mean, that's the thing. If you if you love the game, or if you're you're playing the game and you're just really into it, it's it's perfect. If you're so so, then you know, just go through the the main stuff and call it a day if you want. Mm-hmm. Boom. Next question. Good question. Next question uh, from Facebook, Jake Peters. I just started listening to the podcast, and as a new homeowner in a long term relationship, I can appreciate playing your old games and working with a budget. You guys are legit, mm-hmm. and that makes you worth listening to. That's awesome, oh, man. man. Thanks. thanks, dude. That's thanks great. Thanks a lot, man. Uh, anyways, I'm a free uh, – I'm a free. Good Lord. I'm a few <laughs> multiplayer <laughs> matches away from getting the platinum in The Last of Us and was wondering nice. if you guys ever feel compelled to trophy up so that you can get the most out of your games. Man, that's awesome. I heard the multiplayer is kind of tough to, to platinum in The Last of Us. Maybe not. I don't know. Hmm. But I'm not a huge trophy trophy person. I like to just kind of play the game. Um, depends, uh, too, on the game. I may, I, I've said this before, I may go back and try to at least do, an, uh, like, level up or just get a better trophies the next time for The Last of Us because that game was so compelling. But typically, you know, if I get a trophy while I'm doing it, great. If I don't, I don't. And yeah, but on some of those Assassin's Creeds, didn't, didn't you, uh, didn't you platinum something on Assassin's Creed? Um, I did, well, I did uh, the 100% sync on, uh, AC3. I got all 100% uh, of the DNA things synced up. I don't think that's a platinum though. The only platinum oh, I've gotten gotcha. was The Walking Dead and you get that when you finish the game. Me too. <laughs> and, and you know what though? I'm, fi- I'm fine with that. It doesn't really, doesn't really matter. Yeah, I am to me. too. I am too. So. Yeah, I'm not a big uh, I'm not a big watch movies that I've watched before guy unless it's like a hilarious hilarious comedy. And so I think with that personality type, I'm not always uh <clears throat> quick to re-pick up a game just to get the trophies. And since we started doing the show is the first time that I've had more than like two people on my friends list. <laughs> on, on PSN. And yeah. so maybe that, that pushes me a little bit. When I start comparing trophies, I'm like, oh shoot. Yeah. So that pushes me a little bit. So maybe in the future, but I haven't had, I haven't run across that yet. Yeah. It's fun. You get that little competitive nature and you're like, oh man. Exactly. I got to get on this. Yeah. I'm with you. Awesome. you Good Hall? question. For me, trophies are kind of a side effect of just playing. So if I get them while I'm playing, that's awesome. But, um, uh, th- like if I look at the trophies list and it's something a little bit easy, I might shoot for it. 
But if it's something just ridiculous, like collect everything, I'm like, nah, I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, you're good. <laughs> um, That's yeah. awesome. I will say that I really, really liked the way that Sleeping Dogs kind of integrated, um, not, not really a, achievements per se, but they were kind of just like goals. So like, you know, you'd be driving a car and it'd say, you know, Tim Router drove for a thousand feet without, you know, hitting anything. So can you do better? You know, right. kind of thing. Mm. And I think that that's awesome. That I think that that's cooler than achievements because it actually pops up and tells you what your friends did doing the same thing. I think more games need that. Yeah, that is cool. I'll give you, I'll definitely agree with you on that one. Yeah, because I, I thought that that was way cooler than, than trophies. I was just, like I said, getting trophies as a side effect. And, and with Sleeping Dogs, I didn't look at the trophies at all. I just played the game, and mm. whatever I got, I got. So I was more interested in those friend challenges type things because it's almost like multiplayer yeah. without actually playing exactly. at the same time. Yeah, so. yeah, it's true. That's that's funny. Like I don't even think about looking at the trophy information for the games. I'm just like, play a game, let's go, hit start, go. You that's know? funny. I will occasionally I, just to see what's going on. Like with The Last of Us, like I wasn't getting any trophies, so I was like, okay, what what are these trophies? <laughs> Like, what am yeah. I not doing? <laughs> and The Walking Dead, because you could see how differently you played it from your friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good question. And thanks really for listening, good. Jake. That's really cool. Um, all right. A couple Twitter uh, posts real quick. Scott Clark, Scotty Lindsay, our boy. In games, oh, yeah. in games with opposing moral choices that affect your story slash character, do you usually choose the good or bad route and why? That's a great question. Scott always has really good Twitter questions. I love that. Um, I always, I'm usually the good guy. I always like to kind of go the good route just because of my moral code, maybe <laughs> my moral, <laughs> yeah. my moral compass. It really just depends. You know, if you're, if you're having a bad day or stressed out and you want to be bad, be bad. That's the beauty of the games. You can go e- either way, <laughs> but typically I'll go with the, with the good. Paul, what about you? I always go good. It's kind of the same thing as Tim. Like, I feel like I would feel bad if I did something bad in the game, even though it's affecting no one, if that makes sense, <laughs> even though, you know, we can play through uncharted and by the time you get to the end, you've killed like 1500 guys. Right. But, you know. right. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I would, <laughs> there was one experience though, that was pretty funny. So I was playing the mass effect game. Uh, I think it was mass effect two. And, I wanted to play that all good. So I was doing all the good things. And every time it would pop up with like an identifier, I would hit the good one. The first time those little identifying things popped up though, like go good or go bad. Yep, I didn't know what did they the were. Bad one. Yeah. I didn't know what they were. So I accidentally <laughs> hit the bad one. Me too. And it was funny. Cause I was talking to, I was talking to a guy and in the middle of the cutscene, you know, he's just talking to me. And then I accidentally picked the bad thing and I see my character like, put a rocket on the guy and just like blast him off or something. I was <laughs> just like, awesome. what did I just do? Like, I didn't know what that was. And I was like, I must've done something bad. Like I must've accidentally picked the bad side, but That's it was funny because if you look at my character's story arc, so he's good the whole time. And there's that one thing where he just some sets him off the rails, man. He, <laughs> That's awesome. he couldn't help it. He snaps. Uh, yeah. He's like, he I snapped. don't deal with racism. Well, you're like, Oh, that's your button. <laughs> Um, That's awesome. I, I always go good too. Oh, we're so boring. Gosh, we're boring and old. Yeah, um, we're just goody two shoes. That's all. It's funny because uh, I like like when I played Infamous, I did all the good stuff. So I would, you know, my character would be all blue instead of red. And um, but 
I've actually found that I really enjoy things like The Walking Dead and Spec Ops The Line that where you have two choices and both are bad. Yep. And so I almost like being forced into those because that's what it takes. It's like, hey, you can either shoot this kid or have somebody else shoot this kid. And you're like, man, the right thing, I guess, is for me to shoot this kid. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Not make somebody else do it. And so, um, I do enjoy having, having to be a bad guy sometimes. That's, that's true. Mm -hmm. Good question. Uh, next question, uh, Rich Fisher at Valhalla 1R. With life becoming more hectic, do you think handheld gaming will increase? That's where most of my gaming happens lately. Uh, I mean, if, if EA, if EA is any <laughs> indicator, they are a good indicator. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, if, yeah, if, for sure. If Nintendo keeps putting out Animal Crossing and, and Luigi's Mansion, <laughs> then yeah, that's going to take yeah. over the world. Exactly. Yeah. I think people are interested in taking those old school games on the road too. Cause I think that's why they made PlayStation games compatible with the PSP. So you could take like Final Fantasy seven, Final Fantasy eight just all those PS1 classics and you could like actually take them on the road with you. Cause that's how I played those games recently. You know, yeah, I just took exactly. them on the PSP and uh, that made it a lot better. And it's a better than to me. It's like a better than iPhone experience. I can have a full game on the road for so. sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. And I think also a lot of people commute and commutes get longer. And, you know, especially in, in a lot of the, the major cities, so, I mean, handheld is probably where you live, if that's the case, especially if you have, say, an hour commute or something. That's that's where I would probably be. But I will say this. If I had a handheld, I would be uh, probably single and alone because I would, <laughs> I would be – that's all I would probably be doing. That's why, like, I'm probably not going to get a handheld besides, you know, my iPad or, or phone, which I guess you can consider them handhelds. But, um, man, if I could port my game from – PS3 over to the Vita or what have you. Oh, God, it's over. I'll be done. <laughs> I love it. Uh, righty. Uh, anybody, is that, did everybody answer that? Yep. All right. Last question from, uh, forgive me. I think it's Yamin Bassett. Uh, at Yamin Bassett. Uh, <laughs> I'm so glad you have to do this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, uh, and forgive me again if I've screwed up anybody's name. Feel free to correct me. Uh, if you could add one feature to the PS4 that would make it a better system for fathers, what would it be and why? Ooh, That's I have a one. Great question. Go. Hmm. I've always liked, I feel like back in the day, even, even starting with Mortal Kombat, and I know that they can't do this. So this is just hypothetically speaking. But I remember back in the day, you could turn the blood on and off. And I wish you could do that with cussing. Um, I'm not super against cussing. Like, I'm not really offended by it. Right. But I know that it offends people in general and like in whatever walks of life. And so I wish that like when I was on the road and people are coming on and off the bus that I don't know. That yeah, I could, that's a you good know, point. have the cussing like edited. You know what I'm saying? I don't need them to redo or Amara the voice to walk in. acting. Yeah, or Amara's around my daughter. Like, and my wife doesn't want to hear that. You know, a bunch of cussing in the house. You know, it's a big reason why I got the Pulse Elite headsets just so I could game without disturbing anybody. You know, noise wise, and because some of these games like Sleeping Dogs just feel like throwing the f word in there for sport. Oh, but, um, everywhere, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. that game and was so just. I, 
every yeah, like, literally every other it. word. Yeah. So and so um and I don't need them to recut the vocal because if I'm taking something out. Like if I'm censoring a game, then I know I'm censoring a game. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to be like, oh, the experience, his mouth moved and he didn't say anything. Like I wouldn't complain about that. But I do wish that that was, that was something that they could do. And I know they can't, but I just wish that was. Well, I, 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 you know, I know how <clears throat> at least one of these audio systems works. Like as far as game integration, not a lot of people use F mod, which is one that you see on some games, but. Right. Um, I imagine that there's a way to just in the data somewhere to tell it if if they've selected a different style of audio or a different audio track that it would just blank those words out. Like basically right. just drop the volume to zero. If that makes sense. Yep. yep I'd appreciate it. Yeah, right. I think for me, I would love to have like some sort of a cover or a shield over any external buttons on the PS4 so that my daughter doesn't push it when I'm right in the middle of gaming something and completely shut down the system. <laughs> That's what I would like. I would love. Uh, that is very or specific. Put all the buttons in the back or somewhere else, somewhere not in the front where my daughter's like, ooh, what's this? Boink. And then she hits it and I'm done. Oh, that's funny. So that's it. Well, thank you, everybody, for your questions. That's really cool. We love doing this kind of stuff and uh, and keep it going. That is awesome. I love it. Yeah, we got some good questions this week. Thinking questions again. Actually, you know what? I, I've got to. I've got to come up with something. Um, I am not a father of kids, but I'm a father of dogs. Oh yes, go there. You go. And Let's hear not, this. I don't know if it's a PS4 thing. I don't think it will be. But the Xbox has a button that is touch sensitive, so it's not like something you push in. So my dachshund constantly pushes her nose on the xbox <laughs> and turns it on oh that's hilarious that's great yeah so put the button on the top maybe because it's on my entertainment center like my one in the office which is really low to the ground and she just walks up and she's sniffing it and then her nose accidentally touches it it's like bing and just turns on <laughs> oh my yes, god it says it says bing Bing. Is, she, is she startled by it or does she just she's used to it? Yeah, she's a little startled by it. And some and the CD tray is also touch sensitive. So sometimes she'll accidentally hit that and then the tray pops out. It's like, <laughs> Bing. Awesome. Dude, that totally happened to me the other day. I was playing XCOM and Amara was uh, doing something to the Wii and her knee hit the power button. And anybody that plays <laughs> XCOM knows that that thing doesn't save super often. No, and that thing oh, powered Lord. off, and I probably it. Oh, uh, I lost a lot. Let's just put it that way. Oh no, that so, sucks. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, is that the la was that the last one, Robert? Yeah, that that's a wrap. Shoot, nice. I did. Okay, yes, good. Sorry, I saw a question. I saw a question from last night that I wanted Hall to answer. But you didn't ask it. But I don't know who it's from or how it's worded. So I'm like, shoot. But it had something to do with retro games and which one you would want. If there was any retro game that you oh. loved enough that you'd want to see a like a a, a well done reboot of. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, you did, know, did I didn't pick that because didn't didn't somebody ask that before? At some point, I, I don't remember. I don't remember. But Hall, can you think off the top of your head like an NES or SNES or? A game that you're like, man, why didn't they ever do anything more with this? That hmm. you, that you'd want like an HD 
full PlayStation 3 or PS4 Xbox revamp of? Besides DuckTales? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, DuckTales is nice. Um, I was thinking about it, and man. I was like, I can't think of much. And then I thought of one game that I used to have so much fun with that I never uh, – that I wish they would do now, but I don't think it would sell very well. But Pilot Wings on the SNES. I loved hmm. that game. I don't know didn't why kinda, I love that game. There was a Pilot Wings 2. The, the Wii – or no, they had Pilot Wings on 3DS. Is it on 3DS? Yeah, it's on 3DS. Oh, I, I don't freak. know if it's any good, but I'm well, definitely more getting reason a 3DS. To get a 3DS. I'm definitely getting one. <laughs> that's all yeah, there is so to there, that. There's your there's your uh, HD remake, I guess. Yeah, but that's not you know. I mean, you know. I know, I know. Um, sorry, I, know, I, mean, I hate to throw that on you last minute because I know you. No, I know. I'm trying to think. It, um, shoot, I can't. I there's. I mean, like, I would like a really good Shinobi game, but I would want it to be 2.5D instead of, like, <laughs> nice. that makes sense. 2.5D. Yeah, I totally understand that. Um, yeah, that would be it. That would be awesome. Or, like, Castle of Illusion. We, we talked about Castle of Illusion last yeah. night. Yeah. Boom. Boomy. Nice. Um, and that game, that game was so awesome. It was on the Genesis and it was an early game. Yeah. I played um, that. But I would love to see a two and a half D remake of that. That would be pretty sweet. sweet. I love that. Sorry to throw that on you last minute. That's okay. Oh yeah, I want to throw something out there last minute. If anybody wants a CD interactive, I've got one for sale on on Nashville Craigslist. But um, <laughs> if anybody's nice. interested in it, I'll pack it up and ship it to you. Does any? Do you guys know what a CDI is? The uh-huh. CD interactive. System? I totally know what you're talking about. It's kind of like the same thing that uh. Like um, Dragon's Lair and stuff was back in the day. Yep, yep. It was like an early CD-based, crappy video game system, and uh, they're they're collectors' items. They they dipped down for a while, so they dipped down to like a dollar, and then they wow. shot back up. So it's Yowzers, um, That's crazy. Yeah. Anyway, I've got it listed on Nashville Craigslist. If you're interested in getting one, just. I I don't know. Tweet at us and we'll talk, and I'll show you the listing or something. So I love that. If you want a CDI? Here's your chance. <laughs> there you go. Well, we appreciate all the questions and all the love, man. We love it. This is it, like Ryder was saying. It's all about community, and we we love the community that we that we have, and we want it to continue to expand. That's why we're trying to bring you guys all these great interviews. Hat off to Hall once again. That's awesome. It's an awesome. Uh, thing for the show. This has been a long episode. Sorry, guys. We usually keep it way, way shorter than this, but when it's packed so full of good stuff, we don't want it to end. Um, you guys know where to find us. YouTube.com slash married to the games, Twitter.com slash MTTG cast, Facebook.com slash married to the games, Podomatic, uh, all over the place, iTunes, Stitcher. Um, and then wherever send us good ki- podcasts are sold. That's right. Uh, yeah. Wherever good podcasts are sold, we are kid tested and mother approved. <laughs> um, send in your video game memories. Please, please, please continue to send those in. Uh, they're so awesome. Once again, just like on your iPhone or whatever recording device you have close, your name, where you're from, your favorite video game memory. We'll edit all those together. Keep listening, y'all. We're here. We're going to be here. 45 weeks strong. 
getting older every week. We love it. This has been so much fun. I'm Gabe Patillo for Tim Browder, for Timothy Hall. We are married to the games and we up out this thing. Peace.